0: back. Trunks and Titles presents to you Nicholas London and Q-Ball Carmichael.
1: And plainly here in the background, the man I'm calling just happens to be the host of the show, Q-Ball Carmichael. How are you, sir? Nick, how you doing, buddy? Another Tuesday night. Another Tuesday night, and you and me waiting to the last minute to try to figure out new things. <laughs> of course, that's a <laughs> <file>, right? <laughs> that seems to be our new thing, right? Uh. That's right. Hey,
2: last minute. Let it go live. Make it organic. Everybody enjoy it. Well, nothing's planned on this show, which is good.
1: So, you know what? I got some cool things to tell you tonight. And uh, you've got a few things that you plan to do. Uh, Obviously, did you want to... uh I think it's important that we get right to a special moment that you really wanted to uh, to give to uh, a dear friend of you. So if you're okay with it, I would like to uh, take care of that right now because it's important and means a lot to you.
2: Yeah, um, I found out today that my good friend for probably 25 or 30 years James Beasley, who lived in the Wilmington area, had passed away. Um, if you don't know James, he's been in the wrestling business uh, as long as I had. And uh, he was a staple in the North Carolina area for many years. Uh, he worked a little bit for Crockett in the 80s. And, uh, you know, he's a lot of shows with me in the past. And he's, he's always been supportive. He was one of those guys where if I was doing a show and he wasn't booked, he would go and actually do the right thing and buy a ticket to the show. And then, of course, he'd come in the locker room and say hi and maybe get a seat and watch it if nobody recognized him. But, you know, he was just one of those class acts that when we did chin lock for Chuck a few years ago, you remember that? We promoted on your show. Very much. And, uh, you know, James went to that show and brought five or six people with him. And, you know, he always supported pro wrestling besides being a promoter and a wrestler. He got his son in the wrestling business, and most of his friends were in the business, and, yeah, it was really saddened to find out. Um, he passed away on Friday. His his uh, girlfriend got hold of me yesterday and let me know that he passed away. He was predeceased by his wife about five years ago. And uh, his girlfriend had been a medic in a lot of the shows that we ran years ago. And so it was kind of you know it, it, he had been sick a few years ago, and then it came back on him. And I guess it came back with a vengeance and. You know, he really didn't have time to think before it was over. So, it's always kind of sad. It's, it's kind of yeah, sad you know. to hear a guy that you know known for so long that, you know, and, and I'm guilty of not seeing him as much as I should have in the past couple of years, considering he's only an hour away. She always feel a little bit guilty about a little bit of that, but he was a class act. Well, I want
1: to send my condolences to – uh His family, I want to send my condolences to you. And if it's okay with you, we're going to play this 10-bell salute because I think it's only right and it's fitting for uh, this very moment.
2: Well, in the memory of James Beasley, also known as the Beast, let's go ahead and play the 10-bell swan. I tell you, it always seems like it's longer than it is, doesn't it? That's the longest 10 seconds in wrestling right there.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it definitely is. And, you know, it's fitting for, for your friend and uh, somebody who respected this business and somebody who is loved, whether it's by a mother, a father, a friend, uh, a family member. And it's uh, deserving uh, in many ways to your friend James. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know,
2: he's a longtime member of the corner pocket group and was a contributor and you know, always always made a positive comment on a post and things like that. So he's a good guy. Now, switch gears a little bit. I wanna give a shout out to a really good friend of mine. His name is Doctor James well, he's Jim to me, but to the common folk, he's Doctor James Hubbs. He has a family practice and a former plastic surgeon in uh southern New Jersey, Philadelphia area. And uh, Jim does something I went, and as you know that we're, we're going to announce here shortly, I went into the supplement business and the health and supplement business, and one of the first products that I decided to have designed for me uh, was a brain and focus uh, supplement, which has a unique proprietary blend that we came up with. and I sent it to, to Jim to look it over because I wanted the physicians you know, to sign off on it, so to speak. And one of the things he said that was great, it doesn't have vitamin K in it. I wasn't sure what that meant. And then he told me, he goes, well, you know, anybody who takes a blood thinner can't have vitamin K because it'll thin their blood even further. It could cause internal bleeding. So what I really liked about the product besides the blend is the fact that it excluded vitamin K. So it's safe for um, anybody who takes a blood thinner to go ahead and take that supplement. And of course, you know, (laughs) I think 50% of the population over the age of 50 it's on some kind of blood center. So the good news is those are the ones that are suffering from the memory and focus problems. Trust me, I know. <laughs> they'll, be able, they'll be able to take that. I hear that. So, but, uh, but it's good for uh, Jim to be able to, to, to be able to go over and take a look at it. And I'm going to forward all my labels before I actually have it private labeled in, in my Affinity Nutrition brand and have him read them over. And If there's anything in there that should be in there, he'll take it out. So I just want to give him a shout-out. He's a He's a a friend, a long-time fan, and uh, we've known each other a long time. So there you go,
0: Jim. Appreciate all your help, brother.
1: So let me get this straight here. Now, I'm already super super <laughs> smart, but I can be smarter? Well,
2: I don't know if there's any hope for that.
1: <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but That didn't go you, the way I had planned. I can tell you that your memory... And your ability
2: to focus versus jump from task to task to task will improve because everything that proprietary blend has been proven um, through studies to improve people's ability uh, for short-term memory and also for focus. And one of the reasons why I developed it is is as a child that has memory and focus trouble only 13. So when I went to launch my first product, it was very personal for, for me to launch that product, um, not just because I'm aging and have trouble with memory and focus, but she even as a youngster does, and it's safe for somebody, you know, 13 years old to take. So that was all important to me. Of course it is,
1: and it should be. And that's why a product that you release, you always do your homework, and that's one thing nobody can take away from you, Q, is you do your homework. Yeah, you
2: know, i am always – it's funny, but, you know, it's it's interesting because I always did a lot of homework in the wrestling business. A lot of people say, oh, you're so smart, and you know this, you know that. And I really don't. What I did was I studied a lot of film, and we're going back into the 90s when you got a third or fourth generation tape. You could barely watch the VHS tape. But, you know, it was important for me to become a student in the game. It, it takes studying to do that and reading up and, and knows know, like, you know, who, who the, the names like Hack and Schmack and Thatcher and and Lewis, and you know, all all these great names who they were and what they did in this business and laid the groundwork for guys like me. And and of course, our guest is going to come on shortly, Luke Hawks. And if you, unless you're living under a rock, I'm pretty sure you probably know who this guy is. I mean, he's wrestled all over the country. He uh, runs Wildcat Sports in Louisiana, which uh, trains guys and just does a great job, runs great wrestling events with, with huge attendance. And uh, he's just hes just one of those guys in the business that if you've been around for more than a minute or a cup of coffee and you don't know who he is, you should be ashamed of yourself because he's wrestled everywhere.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I would like to think that a lot of people know who he is, especially the uh, quote-unquote boys and the guys that have been in the business for a cup of coffee because if they're doing their homework and they're paying attention, they should know. Uh, I once met a kid who didn't even know who the rockers were, so anyway, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna say two very important things number one, as far as the cassettes, the VHSs go, uh, if my brother and I had gotten a nickel each as kids, uh, for every tape we wore out that was uh, professional wrestling, we'd both be rich. Uh, that's one, and two. <laughs> My brother is, uh, down in California and he's fixing to actually be married, um, coming up here, um, in October, October 26th. And I just want to give him a quick shout out, let him know I love him and I think it's wonderful and he's listening to the show. So Jamie, uh, good luck with that. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lovely time. I'm sure it's safe travels to my family going down. So, uh, anyway, uh. Yeah, so as I was saying on the on the tapes, I mean, my goodness, you know, I can remember watching stuff that was from the 70s and and just loving it, and the 60s in black and white with Bruno San Martino that my father had, and I, my brother and I have talked about it numerous times, because we have no idea where the tape ever went or whatever happened to it, but... You know, we just, we remember those little things, those things that we watched that made an impact on our lives, and that was professional wrestling. Right, right. Well, you know, that's, that's you know, I wish him, wish him
2: luck in his marriage and the trip and everything, and I'm sure it's going to work out great. And, uh, you know, is this his first marriage?
1: I'm just going <laughs> to. Okay, yes. that's a
2: That's, yep. no. that's,
0: an, that's an His no. first
1: marriage, really proud of him.
2: <laughs> well, you know, at least you didn't have to take a lesson from your book or mine.
1: <laughs> now he, he's been down the road, so uh, he's. Anyway.
2: I got you. I got you. Well, you know, you're, hopefully you're a little he's... smarter smarter the second time. And then you know, I've known people married five times. My aunt was married eight times, once to the same guy with four husbands in between. So you know, who am I to judge?
1: No, hey.
2: I, did pour, I did pour it aside one time and say, "And Gigi, do you know that you can have sex before you marry somebody? Just, just let you know." <laughs> <laughs> just, cause oh my goodness! I just wanted you to know. Just want to let you know that it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Happens to the oh, best of God. us. Yeah, I think hey, our, Liz, uh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, I I know we don't talk a lot about the current product. It's really something that you and I, even on the phone, just talking in general, we don't really talk about the current product. Usually, we end up back in the NWA or talking about, you know, the WWF days. And but, uh, you know, did you, did you catch any of the draft? I'm just curious. No. I, caught, I, caught no, I didn't think so. About eight months ago, I watched the uh, SmackDown on Fox one. I didn't watch the Raw one. I watched the SmackDown one because I'm intrigued that they're on on Fox. I am, but uh, you know, it, it's hard to cool. watch. It's hard. It's a hard product to watch right now. Yeah, you know, I find watching all of the wrestling a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hearing that, and I just found out on Sunday where I can watch it here in Canada, so I'm going to uh, check it out out. tomorrow night. Yeah, it's a a
2: big difference. I think our
1: uh, guest here is going
2: to be calling in in just a second anyway. um, We'll talk about him. He was with the WWE for a few years. I know that. I think uh, once early on, and then I think for three years, from like 07 to 2010 or 11, I, I think helped
1: it. When yeah, spent, I'm pretty sure you got that, that, that right on. He's been to the dance. Yeah, he knows the dance. He's spent three years there. He has an idea. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, he, he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. Hopefully it was the better three years than I spent when I was there. When everybody's worried <laughs> about losing their job because WCW was clutching
1: them. <laughs> People are so concerned about their position.
2: Well, every time they look at you, you know, you, you walk in, they look at you like they want to
1: kill you. Oh, yes. This is true. But then there's Luke Hawks, who is, uh, who is, um, you know, a very smart man. He's done a lot. I mean, you know, again, oh, like yeah. you said, if you went for a cup of coffee, you know, maybe you don't know him, but in all reality, you should know who he is. I mean, the guy is not just you know some guy that came in and left he made an impact and that is uh something that uh well as far as i'm concerned that puts the explanation point on it well you know
2: plus he's done some movies he's done a lot of stuntman work and stuff so you know he's just one of those guys that he he just got that look man he's he's completely transformed his his body and just you know and was a lot of stone and Right on top of all this, he's managed to great wildcat sports. So, you know, he's he's always one of those guys that's always busy, always got something going on, always doing something. So, he's the class what he
1: said, put club. him through. Yeah. All right, Luke,
3: welcome to the show, brother.
1: What's up?
3: Yeah, I'm always doing something, man. I can't sit around.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, yeah, I was just I was just there. I think, you you know, the hustle, you, you
2: represent the term hustle. You know, we used to say back in the 80s and 90s, man, you always got to be hustling, you got to work hurt, you got to make sure you get to every show you can, and you got to keep yourself out there so you get noticed, man. And that's exactly what you've done and continue to do. And, uh, you know, I know most of our listeners know who you are, but why don't you do, do us a little favor and give us a little rundown of your career and when you started and why you started, maybe who
3: you look up to. And wrestling to get involved yeah i started in uh 99 and uh started training with Vic grimes well i started locally in 99 and uh in louisiana with some with some turds out here so i don't really count that because i didn't know much i was uh i would say more or less self-taught at that point because you know they didn't know much other than bumping and stuff like that like a lot of these guys do and they get a guy in there and they're trying to teach somebody to wrestle when they don't know the head from the, the ass, you know? So, uh, but I knew I had to get out and get more training. So I was still in high school at that point, but as soon as I graduated, I moved to Oakland, California. I mean, that's a long story in itself. I'm sure if you follow my career, if anybody knows, see my shooter interviews or other interviews, you know my the story about how I ended up in Oakland and uh, started training with Vic Grimes, which uh, led to XPW and you know, from there on, that that opened the door to multiple other indies like NWA Wildside and so uh, so forth, and then TNA, and of course, you know, tons of WWE stuff, Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, pretty much every company out there worked for and still have good working relationships with, and do stuff. Uh, started Wildcat Sports obviously in 2011. So uh, we did, we we actually got a big show coming up, our biggest show ever. It's our 80th anniversary on November 3rd, Sunday, November 3rd. And it's called our Revolution Rumble, which we named after uh, Percy Pringle. After he passed away, we coined it the the Percy Pringle Revolution Rumble. So we we, we paid homage to him because he helped us get started, and he was a big part in the beginning. He was our GM. And when I first started the wrestling company here, he wanted to be a part. Well, I started the school first. So and then uh, after, after the school started, I knew I needed a really good place for guys to work, and I knew I couldn't just send them out there on turd shows. So that's where the show started. And, uh, you know, and Percy was a big move. Paul Bear, Percy Pringle, Moody, whatever you want to call him, he was a big advocate for Wildcat and whatever I was doing. So he really helped uh, lay some groundwork early on over here. So, you know, it's the right thing to do for us to name that after him and keep his traditional name alive. Absolutely. And he was, my you know, I I I man. I do give up for the
2: fact that he's one of the nicest guys to ever walk the face of the earth.
3: Yes. Yeah, man, he was a good man He was a good man He played some good ribs on me too He played some good ribs on me
1: Well, you know You know I'm gonna ask you If there's any that stick out Is there any like that one that you
3: remember? Oh, man My, my, my 18th birthday Um, They took me <laughs> out They took me to Pensacola, Florida And I was working my first show And, um they got me hammered the night before. So uh I passed out now. I never drank, I didn't want to drink. And uh and, but but naturally being around those guys, you know, they challenge you to something. I had a I had to put up a shut up, especially back then.
0: <laughs> so um uh,
3: I had never touched alcohol in my life and it's one night I, I, I drank a little too much peppermint snobs. It was my first time I ever had alcohol. <laughs> huh. Well yeah. uh, you know, taking off the old eyebrow all the good fun stuff that comes along with it so. <laughs> oh, oh no <laughs> yeah. we just can't do nowadays because 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 it's just too cruel and you know and people uh, will sue you over now and and you'll you'll be um uh, i guess uh chastised would be the right saying, you know what I mean, oh yeah, I'd really like. Put they wouldn't put us in jail. They put us underneath the jail. Oh yeah, terrible, yeah. You man. can't, you can't, can't do anything anymore because you know everybody's so sensitive and you know how it is. We we live in a PC world, and I'm, a, right. I'm a non-PC guy in a PC world.
1: It's it's unbelievable. You'd be sued over anything. Oh uh, man, the boys, the boys today will never understand the men of yesterday in the business. Man, you know, I don't know
3: if there's boys today. You know what I mean? I think it's a uh, I yeah. think it's a lot of guys playing for ten today. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm really thankful. That's I'm thankful man. for my time when I came up. You know, I kind of came up in a, a different era, and I came up in that 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 towards that end of the uh, the golden era, so to speak, and um, you know where, where when wrestling was real hot and. You know, they still had a lot of the boys in, and so I I got to travel. I I got to do things that a lot of guys didn't get to do, especially nowadays. I got to ride in the the cars with veterans and listen to the stories and learn that way and uh, travel with them. You know, I didn't get much help growing up, you know, and coming in. Like, nobody was giving me tips and telling me how to get better and telling me what I was doing wrong because people were still, you know, um, they were still worried about losing their job or losing their spot to somebody. So they weren't really – you know, trying to help the younger guys come in and do better than them. Uh, but I, I am, you know, I, I had to teach myself, and I'm thankful for that. For that now, nowadays these guys, these kids, it's indie guy in there with indie guys, so they really don't have anybody to learn off of. Well, that
2: you hit the nail on the head. That's a huge problem. You know, is It used to be back in my day, they would put a green guy in with a veteran, and he would get, you know, he, he would bring him along a little bit. He, he knew right. what he could do and what he couldn't do, and he he push him a little bit, but just enough to get him better, not enough to get him over his head in there, and talk to him the whole time, and you know, it was a different era with that, and he, even when you were kind up, like, I've known Vic Grimes for a long time, I did the ECW uh, the ECW chi Choo train in 99 after, 98 after I left WWE, and I was with him for six months all around, and, and Vic was actually one of my closest buddies, so, you know, Vic is a good old school guy, and you know, tough as tough as nails. That's for sure. And you know, he's a you get guys learn tough, about her. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, he did, yeah, took he me around. And
3: he he treat, You know, one thing Vic did for me that nobody else did, especially back in that day, was uh, he put he put belief in me. I believed yeah. in myself, and I was probably a lot, I was probably too overconfident to be honest. But there were so many people who didn't believe in me and didn't uh, try and help me and didn't tell me anything or, or you know just crapped on me or treated me like dirt. Like, my problem was, you know, I came up in Louisiana originally first, and the guys out here were were crap. They were turds, and I mean turds of turds. So, uh, and these guys never wrestled outside of Homo, Louisiana, or outside of West Wego, Louisiana, you know, and it was just these jerk-offs. And uh, they treated me like such dirt coming. They tried to treat me like I was this green punk kid, and, you know, they just didn't want me involved in the business. And, dude, they didn't – I knew they didn't know anything, So I had a real sour attitude. So I I came in right away with a chip on my shoulder because of the way these guys treated me. And it wasn't like fun hazing. It wasn't like, you know, teach me a lesson. It wasn't like break me off and teach me something. It was just like guys being jerks. And, uh, you know, and, and they had nothing to offer. They had nothing to offer the business. They had nothing to offer the guys in it. But they were these crappy wrestling shows that were drawing 50 people, maybe 75 people on a good night. And that's all they had around here. So I had to be involved with it if I wanted to be involved with wrestling. But I knew that if I wanted to get serious and I wanted to make a career out of it, then I needed to get the hell out of Louisiana and I needed to do some proper training. And, uh, you know, and I was always close with Vic and we would talk. And, you know, Vic was the guy who gave me that confidence and said, man, you're talented, you got natural ability, but you got to learn a lot of stuff. So, you know, and he he would take me under and and teach me things instead of just, you know, uh, like trying to take advantage of me or trying to get a payday out of me or trying to, you know, From some guys who, and like I said, at first, I really didn't realize how much these guys didn't know. But after being in there with them, I knew that they weren't, you know, I knew they weren't, I knew they were crappy guys. You go to a show, you watch a crappy match. You knew it it was bad. At the same time, you know, like, people don't realize how easy it is to get involved with pro wrestling compared. You can't say, you can't go and say you're a major league baseball player. I'm a professional baseball player. player. I'm a professional football player. You can't do that because you can look that up. There's track records. With, with wrestling, you can work at Walmart, and you're telling somebody you're a professional wrestler, you know, and, and that's the bad thing. Well, you know, you know, it's funny to say that. I'll tell you a little bit of a funny story
2: is when I first got into wrestling, you couldn't – there was only one place, two places that made gear and boots. One was B-Bar and uh, Boot Shop out in uh, uh, Texas. Um, and they, Arkansas, or a pair of Arkansas, they used to make boots. And you would have to, he would call whoever trained you before he'd make your boots. You would have to outline your foot on a piece of paper, send it to him. It would take two months. You'd have to send him a money order when you send in your outline of your feet. But he would call who trained you to verify you were trained before he'd sell you boots. And then there was K&H Wrestling out in Ohio who was really, them and adrian hadn't even really even got into making a lot of gear back then they were the number one manufacturer they did everybody and they wouldn't even make a singlet for you until they called like in my case in a wire they called lucette to make sure that i've been trained before they would even sell me a singlet now you can get all that stuff well, on the internet you can get three yes. buddies together
3: and because one guy shows right. you out as a bump you think you're a wrestler
2: well, oh, and that's boys, how it was. I mean, bro. you can get a
3: ring now. You can get anything now. It we was so protected back in the day, which you know, uh, is good and bad in its own way. I, I think it's more good than bad. But like nowadays, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for people getting opportunities. But I want people to get opportunities the right way. I want people to work hard. And I want people to earn things. And I, you know, and I don't want, I don't want wrestling tarnished. I still believe I got that mentality that you know that that wrestling can be done good and can be you know. I, we might not get back to the eighties and nineties, early nineties where it was growing the big houses, especially like down the south. Like I was talking to Landy Popo about it this week and I was like, Man, how amazing was it working like the superdome and stuff back in the day. Like and working every night of the week. Like you worked every right. night of the week. will never right. you know, you'll never get back to that unless you're on this grueling like WWE schedule. But back then right. you, you know how it was? They they ran those roads and they I mean, they were brutal. It was brutal. You spent more time in the car than you did anywhere else. But, but, but you know, you it, know, it was a different,
2: it was, it was a different world too, because you spent the time in a car with two or three other guys, and there inevitably there was a guy or two that knew a lot more than the other two, and they would that was would the mobile classroom, man. They would teach you as you drove, and that's yeah. you know Matt Bowman, Jimmy Cicero, and I brought up Christian York and Joey Mercury the same way. They started traveling with us. I would work Christian because he was a little bit bigger, and and Cicero would work. Uh, Joey Mercury, Joey, we would go to shows, yeah. and we would work these guys, you know, for promoters, so promoters trusted us, but we say, well, let us work our boy, and they would get a chance, and they would get their foot in the door everywhere, but, you know, it was, in the, every time we took a six-hour trip, it was me and Cicero talking about, you know, four parts of a match, and what you do here, and what do you guys do if this happens, and what do you do if this happens, and just putting them through the ringer, and educating them like crazy, and you know, both of those guys within 18 months of graduate training had WCW contracts, and then they both went on to go yeah. to ECW for a while. They had a, both of them had a
3: good chance. Oh, they, in, were, they in, were amazing. I still talk about I actually, I've seen yeah. Joey this weekend, man. He, he's such an awesome, talented guy. He's so smart. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> smart. He's so a right now.
2: And, you know, Julio De Niro, who had a big influence in your career, I talked to him the other day. I told him you we were going to be on the show. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that my first match I had with him in, like, 94 – he was one of those guys who was trained to bump, and he kicked me in the face and broke my jaw. <laughs> and so at first, at first I wanted to kill him. But then I really didn't know anything. So when I opened a wrestling school, and he only lived 30 minutes away, I'm like, come down and train with us. So he came down and trained with us and kind of learned, you know, he, he, he paid some guy a lot of money. The guy taught talked talked him how to do an arm drag and a bump and told him he was a wrestler, and he didn't know anything, oh, you know. And so, anyway, right, and it's, it's all too common. Yeah, it's so common. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
1: it's but still going know, on to
3: this day, you know what I mean? mean?
1: When you talk about the business changing and all those and all the different things that are happening, one thing about, you know, 25, 30 years ago, really, guys were driving those eight to 13 hour trips in the middle of the winter. And the damn heat in the cars didn't work And all they could do was sit there and book the territory And you look at it today And they're driving in these luxury rental cars And, you know, they're, they're, they they're sleep most of the way Can you imagine back in the day If you fell asleep in the car oh. with those boys They'd ride the crap right out here And they'd wake you up, you know That's the way they were They yeah. booked the territories That's the difference it's between got, guys it's today It's so much
3: easier for guys You know, like I tell tell my guys all the time, you know, I tell my guys all the time, it's like when I started, we didn't have Facebook and all that stuff, so I didn't, I wasn't able to message a promoter. We knew there was a a, a Friday night show in San Antonio, so we would drive there and say, hey, I'm Luke whatever, whatever my name was at the time, Uh, I have my gear bag with me, can I help put up the ring and set up, if you need an extra guy, I'm your man. And then we did that, and after doing that two, three, four times, sometimes we get a spot on the show, you know. Uh, so, and, and that's 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 how it worked. It's it, that's how we uh, did it back. You in the did, day. What, you know, we didn't email some guy on Facebook and say, "Hey, oh, this guy's cool. Uh, let's put him on the show because I talked to him on instant messenger."
0: <laughs> you know, cute
3: <it's> <laughs> You know, Luke. You know, C.W. Anderson,
2: his his cousin of Dan Wright used used to promote shows here. And about five years ago, I went to the show, and I saw Dan. It was actually an Omega show. And I see Dan all the time. But he said, I got something I got to give you next time I see you. I said, okay. He brought me my original resume promo pack and VHS videotape I sent to him 24 years ago to get work. He said, this is the best written resume I've ever seen. It was the best video. There was no breaks in it. There was no cutting. there was no editing. It wasn't a great match, but it was solid. And he goes, and here's, and I sent him black and white uh, nine by nine by le, or nine by twelve or nine by eleven. A color nine by eleven, a color three by five, and a black and white three by five. So I sent him all that stuff, and he kept it for twenty four years because he had told me he goes, I didn't have the heart to throw it away because when somebody would complain they weren't getting work, I would pull it out and say, Have you sent one of these to a promoter lately? And I literally sent out dozens of those. And the first time I got booked at the WWF, Howard Finkel goes, Mr. Carmichael,
3: it's so good to see you. I still have your resume and video in my back. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, that stuff stands out. But, look, I get emails. First off, I want to say uh, a big shout-out to Julio, by the way, that you brought up earlier. He's a real dear friend of mine. And one of the, the best people from my from my early days of wrestling who does his best to keep in touch all the time with me. So uh, I appreciate that. i also a great talent. But yeah, great I mean, talent. I get emails great. all the time trying to get booked at Wildcat. And it's just like, hey, hey, bro, what's up? Want to come work at Wildcat? You know, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't know, I don't know you. Is that what you sit Like, that's what people send, You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like I know man. I ran
2: shows recently. They say, Yo, bro, I want to get on your show. Check me out on YouTube. I'm not doing any of the work. I'm sorry. I'm the promoter.
1: No, you don't do any of the work. If you want it, right. then you get it there. That's bad. Hey, it's professionalism, bad. I mean,
3: look, you wouldn't go in. I mean, I would say, look, you wouldn't go into any kind of job and do that, right? You Just go walk in and go, hey, I want to work here. But, I mean, I guess some people would because they're not stupid. <laughs>
2: They do if they don't want the job and want to continue to collect their unemployment. That's how they go in. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Hey, listen, I don't know, I, Luke. I don't know if you know it. And I don't know if Julio told you, but for the first time in seven years, he's wrestling again. October nineteenth, this Saturday. Yeah, yeah,
3: I know. It's crazy, huh?
2: I've been talking I've to him about it for a while. Yeah, I've, I've been, been talking to him I about him. it. I, said, I told him, I said, "You better be training." He goes, "I was the wrestling school. I'm back in the gym." Because the first thing I was worried about was getting hurt. But he, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a seminar in Thomasville, Georgia, Saturday, and then going to the big anti-bullying show
1: they have down there.
2: And next, a retired chief of police runs it. It's a pretty big event. We had him in last week. So I'm on the road this weekend, too. He said, we'll make a deal with you. I go, what, he goes, Saturday night, 11 o'clock, I'll call you or you call me to make sure the other one survives.
3: <laughs> I said, I think I got Tom another a chance of survival than you do But okay <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a, he's a great guy, man He was a good worker, too, man So, uh, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. I, I used to look up, especially, like, body guys Yo, he was always in shape And, like, I, I look up to guys like him and Chaos Because, like, they were jacked to me Oh, like, man, yeah, these guys always. are jacked I want to have a good body And I was just some skinny kid, you know No, you ain't skinny no more, son no, <laughs> no, nah, nah, not no more. I, uh, I did what I had to do, bro. I stopped putting in the work. I don't remember,
2: but about four or five years ago, I said, what the hell is your arm routine? And you told me, I don't know, Q. I just work them every single time I go to the gym. I'm
3: like, well, at least exactly. that you know. I can do That's what I was told. I was like, you want big arms, you go work them every damn day, bro. You want big Man, arms, go talk- work them every oh. damn day.
2: I, I'm well, yeah. you, I don't think, you know, here, Here's the thing with me is, I always book guys in shape. You know, my, my last show, I had Jackson James on there. was in good shape. And I had Brady Pierce. He was in great shape. And I always bring guys that are in shape. And when I ran this underground bar years ago, I had Tom Brandy, King Kalua. I had Julio on the show. All the guys that came in were big guys. They were in shape. And, you know, I mean, the guys who weren't in shape were like Bundy's and guys like that. And uh, Right.
3: Just bigger, burly you know, guys are was- guys that that look
2: like athletes. Yeah, Exactly. And, you know, that was always my thing. If the guy in the front row says, yeah, I think I can kick his ass, that guy doesn't belong in the ring. Because I right. guarantee you, the, the, the guy in the front row is not saying I, that about
3: you right now. <laughs> no, not no more. Not no more. But, I mean, I was a skinny kid and for a long time, and I'm thankful for the opportunities, you know, that I got and that people gave me as a skinny kid. Uh, but I did learn from Uh, You know, in my my kid now, my kid now, my son is, is is pretty lean. He's tall. He's he's six one. He's about a hundred and eighty pounds, which uh you know and, and for for many years he's you know he was a he was a, a, a shoot, he's a shooter. So he was an amateur wrestler, state champion right. multiple times, state champion amateur wrestler. So for many right. years he was he was focused on cutting weight. Uh, his senior year he wrestled at one fifty two. So uh, and every year he went up a, a weight class, but his, right. his senior year he's one fifty two, and now like. He just wants to get jacked so fast, and I keep telling him it doesn't happen that way. He's in good shape now, but he's tall and lean. But especially compared to a lot of indie guys today, he's bigger than a lot of the indie guys. But you know, he's he's next to me, and he's like, "Dad, I got I got to get jacked, man. I got to get jacked." And he's like, "Why? I'm in the gym every day. It's not, you know, what's going on?" I said, "Dude, it takes it takes years, man. It takes years to put that size on the right way. It
2: does take years. It literally takes years to put size on the right way. You're absolutely right." You know, it's, 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 I'll tell you a little story you can relate to your son. Is I hired a skinny kid in 1995. I, it was his regular first regular promoter who booked him to work. And it's the first show he was there, he was so damn nice that I couldn't find a spot for him. So I had him manage the iron Sheik against me in the main event. And that kid's named Steve Carino. We know what happened to him. He was six foot tall, 150 pounds. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. a couple of years later, this kid who was 16 years old came in, got his mother's permission to wrestle for me. He was five foot nothing, about 140 pounds, and his name's Joey Mercury. So, you know, it just goes to show that, that the size, it's not the size, what do they say? It's not the size of a fight, it's not the size of a dog in a fight, it's the size of a fight in a dog. And, you know, sometimes being right, right. a little bit thin or a little bit lean or a little bit smaller is that chip on your shoulder that you need. To go out there and just, you know, put that size down and work hard consistently.
3: A hundred percent. And you know what? Back then, they had so many talent. Even nowadays, they got so many talented guys that come out of that area. You know, that oh, was yeah. it. That, that, the Northeast is just such a hotbed for yeah. wrestling. All, you know, all throughout that area, which is crazy. Uh, just, it's 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 amazing how much talent actually came from that era, that, that area.
2: Well, well, you
3: know, we used to see the same guys
2: on shows over and over again, and we'd see There'd be me and Cicero, and there'd be Julio, and there would be uh, Christian York and
3: Joey. Um, there would oh, be Carino. There'd be showing the Randy. Before, When I was just a fan, I would read about showing the magazines all the time. That's how I kept up with that area. Is the magazines, P.W.I. and all the those little magazines that used to come out back then. So I yeah. I knew all y'all by name because I would always read the reports and look at the pictures and do this, and do you know? So it's like. To me, you guys were stars before before it really broke off because I was just, I, you know, my 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 nose was in those books, so I couldn't be yeah, was... on TV. So my, so so by the time I when I started seeing some of the guys coming, because some of the guys started working on these crap shows here. They they had a show in Alabama that used to run in like Chalmette in Alabama called uh, I think it was called UCW. Right. And uh, like Cicero came down. I don't remember if you came down, Q, but I don't know yeah, Cicero no, that's came that's down a few warm. times. Corporal punishment came down. A bunch all of the time. here, all the time. That's where we started. Uh, yeah, no, they they yeah. wanted me to come down a couple of
2: times, and it seemed like every time they wanted me down, I was getting booked in Pittsburgh or an off show somewhere else, and I just could never fit it in. Because with me, once I took a show, even if somebody offered me more money or somewhere I had to band, I took the original booking. I would never change booking, so I just didn't think it was ethical. And, you know. Right, you right. Have- no,
3: that's the right thing. But I knew yeah, we, I knew these guys all before they came down here because I'd read about y'all for so many yeah. years, you know, and I could always see everything. So yeah. uh and it was like you got to see these guys in person and made it more that much more magical for me because yeah. you know like I was a super fan. Yeah, you know, look so. Pro Wrestling pro Wrestling Illustrated and all those
2: magazines, Brandy Mankiewicz, Bill After, um, you know, uh, just Tim Walker. Those guys were all so kind to us and and gave us so much press back in the day. You know, it wasn't. It would. I would be surprised if an issue of PWI or one of the sister publications came out and I wasn't in one of them, or didn't have a picture in one of them, or something. You know, it was really. It was surprising. They were just so good to us guys. I mean, you know, they were in Northeast too, and I think that helped us. But we were working so many shows together. I was telling Nick, I would work Friday night in Pittsburgh. I would drive from Pittsburgh to Goldsboro, North Carolina for a Saturday night show, drive straight back to Pittsburgh for a three o'clock matinee show on Sunday. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 12 hours the good days. A weekend,
3: four guys in a car, you know, it's just what you did. Yeah, and it's not like that no more. You know, it's not like no, that even it's remotely. Not.
2: And it, you know, it builds I mean, character that,
3: too. That, that, There's still some road warriors out there, though. You know, guys like, man, I I want to send a shout-out to, like, uh, Caleb Conley and Savannah Evans and some of those North Carolina crew. Man, they they hit the road hard. And they out there, and they pushing it. So And they're super talented. So, like, they're road warriors, which is nice to see, you know? It's great to see guys. Yeah, guys that are willing to get out there and, and do the traveling and understand, you know,
2: like, back in the day, when we wrestled up north, Everybody wanted to plan everything out in the locker room. When you wrestled down south, it was all called in the ring. When you wrestled out in the Midwest, in Ohio, in Michigan, and places like that, half the guys were shooters. You know what I mean? So you had different styles in different areas. So when you worked all those areas, you became really well-rounded as a wrestler, which made a big difference too. So, you know, that's why getting out there and working in different areas is important because
3: people in certain areas work different than people in other areas. You know, well, bro. exactly, exactly right. I, I just got back from CMLL. Uh, I was down there for you know the biggest show of the year, uh, the Grand Prix, and um, and I went down there for a week week tour. And most of the guys I worked didn't speak English, so yeah. not only not only did they not speak English, but they would get there right before the match. So you know, it's like and you work in lucha style. So it, yeah. it's it's you know hey what do you do you go out there and do what you can do you work
2: so that's that's one of the greatest things I saw before is I saw uh, you remember Takamishinoku? Mishinoku he got he yeah, got poof. to a, he got he got to a WWE show late and they put him up against Cicero. he didn't speak a lick of English speaker Cicero didn't speak any Japanese and the interpreter was running late so they just went out and did their thing and. Talk ahead of with his finisher, and it was you. You would have never known it, man. That match was as smooth as glass. And that's the day I said, I said to Cicero, I said, you have no idea how good you really are. You know, he's one of those guys that not getting a contract. Jimmy Cicero not getting a contract is befuddling to me. I don't know how it ever happened. You know, I, I yeah. get it with me I developed late. But he was young enough and everything else and he just you know, it's just befuddling. But hey, it's the mysteries of it. Luke, listen, we gotta I don't want to cut you off, man. You got so much more to talk about. Can we
3: get you on the show again maybe in a couple months? Oh yeah, yeah, whenever you guys want, man. Y'all my boy, so let me know. Yeah,
2: man. Listen, we got
3: we got so much to talk about. Let me ask you one thing real quick.
2: Um, when I met you at WrestleKate a few years ago for the first time, you had that smoking girl with you? <laughs> Remember? Is that still Sorry. your
3: girlfriend? girlfriend? Is she still your
2: girlfriend?
3: It, it probably wasn't my girlfriend with me. I probably had, I was probably with Savannah Evans because I'm always hanging out with her when I'm up there in North Carolina.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe that was she just, was, she had a little plaid, she had a little plaid Catholic girl
3: school, school shirt, uh, skirt on, There. her? Uh,
2: no? You must be thinking Katie,
3: good. you must be thinking Katie Forbes.
2: It was Katie
3: Katie's Rob's Good girlfriend. Job, Katie's man. always with me. Everybody, th- I train Katie, so uh, so everybody, yeah, my my old lady don't usually travel with me to shows. And then Savannah oh, okay. used to manage me a lot up there, and then uh, but Katie, Katie was always with me, and Katie was training with me, so everybody thought she was my old lady. So that's probably who you're thinking of. That's Rob. That's RVD's girlfriend. All I know is my eyes haven't recovered from that. Hey, hey! Look, <laughs> she, she turns heads, bro. She she was just on Impact this week. She wrestled Jordyn Grace on Impact.
2: Oh man, oh, she has go. a look. You know, she she ha- she she's she's one of those people that you know, as far as lady wrestlers, she's gifted with a certain look that goes a long way. So good for her. Dude,
3: she's stunning. I'm happy for her. She's, she's, she's stunning. You know, and she's and she's she super is. athletic too. Never watched wrestling yeah. a day in her life, neither. It's
2: funny how it works. Luke, listen, buddy. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. We got to get you back on. I think we barely like just scratched the surface with you. I wanna, I wanna wish you
3: good luck. When's the next Wildcat show? Sunday, November third. It's uh, at the Ponteau Train Center in Kenna, Louisiana. It's a massive arena show. Uh, we're expecting a couple thousand people there. So yeah, check it out. Tickets are only fifteen dollars. Kids seats only ten. The floor is completely sold out already. And if they're interested in looking at us online, they can check out Wildcat Sports. That's K A T, W I uh, L, W I L D, K A T, Wildcat Sports, cat with a K. Wildcatsports.com, Wildcat Sports uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, all that good job stuff. And if you want to look me up personally, you can check out, you know, Luke Hawks, L U K E H A W X 504. That's L U K E H A W X 504 and all my social media. And you'll see, you know, mostly me posting uh, dumb stuff and me with my kid all the time. And you know, if I ain't posting dumb funny stuff, I'm posting stuff with me and my kid traveling.
0: That's
3: <laughs> you know, awesome. going on.
2: It's always great stuff, Luke. It's always great to uh, talk to you, brother. And uh, continued success. I know you're going to do great things in the business still. And uh, you know, your your son's going to follow in your footsteps, man. So. I and we to say, just I'm, tore it
3: up with the Briscoes. We just tore it up with the Briscoes at Ring of uh, Honor this past love those weekend.
2: guys! Yeah, listen, one of the best tag matches I ever saw was the Briscoes against an Omega show against Matt and Jeff. It was unbelievable. Those guys, oh, yeah. those guys can go, brother.
3: They can go. Right. So, if, if y'all get a chance, check out uh, check out the match from us for Glory, from Glory by Honor this past weekend. We'll do. We'll do, man. And listen, anytime
2: you get anything to push, you got something coming up. Throw it out there to me on Facebook or send me a text message. I'll make sure we get on the show for you.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate it,
2: brother. You guys have a good
1: night. Our will right, man. We we'll talk to you soon, bro. Take care. Bye. Bye. See ya. All right, Q. Listen, I gotta tell wow, you, Wow, talk, talk,
2: talk about a home run guest,
1: huh? Yes, uh, absolutely. That was a uh, an a, an amazing guest, and uh, you definitely hit a home run on that one. I think we
2: got to take a break, though, don't we? Got a little commercial message in?
1: Oh, I'm all ready to roll. You do it. Hey, guys, i got to tell you about this new product that ball and I just started using. It's called RedlineGoods.com. Q, I was on. I ordered a bunch of products from this site, man, and you weren't lying.
0: Man, I'm telling you, you know that tuner car I got, that old Eclipse that I've been working on? I got the, it's called the flat side steering wheel. That's a steering wheel, and it's all hand-stitched, and it's the bottom side that I run is flat, and it's for, you know, tuner cars. And I got the matching boot for the shifter that is handmade and hand-stitched Italian leather. Let me tell you something, dude. This thing looks sweet. The rest of the car, not so good. But the of the boot cover, fantastic.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, I got 1993 LeBaron, and my kids are so embarrassed when I drive this thing around. I went on this site you told me about. I used the promo code QBALL say 15% and my kids love it. I got the coolest looking shifter. I've got new pads on the brake and the gas. I mean, I have done this thing up. The outside still needs some work, man. This place is loaded with colors and it's shipped worldwide. Like, you were not kidding. I mean, I am shocked.
0: And you know what, Nick? Everything's hand-stitched and handmade in its own shop by him and his family. So, you know, it's, it's handcrafted Italian leather, it's amazing stuff, it, it's redlinegoods.com, uh, the owner's name is Mike, he's a friend of ours, and if you just happen to mention, promo code QBALL, you're going to save 15% on your entire order. So make sure you go there folks, redlinegoods.com, all one word, redlinegoods.com, and check out their selection of really nice handmade Italian leather, boots for your vehicle, and a lot of other cool products they have for course. Oh, yeah, the madness. It's on Triple G Radio. Yeah. universe it's time once again for turnbuckles trunks and titles
1: we are back here on triple T radio and uh, Q we just had a great guest and Luke Hawks it was uh, great to chat with him Uh, you're you're happy You, you enjoyed that well,
2: I, I did, you know, he's a good friend of mine and you know, he's just one of those guys that totally gets it. He's put in the work. He didn't he didn't get anything handed to him. He earned everything. Um, you know, I have that game I've told you I play called six degrees of Cuba, Carmichael. It's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but I can use one less degree. And anybody who's been in wrestling in the past thirty years that started before 2003 or 4 or 5, within six people I can relate to that person. And here's a classic example. I shared a room with Vic Grimes for six months in ECW. And Vic Grimes is the guy that reached out to Luke and said, let me teach you the business and show you the business. And the second guy who took him under his wing was Julio De Niro, who I wrestled at least 50 times, lived 30 minutes from my house, one of my closest friends of, of all time, just talked to him last week, and, you know, he doesn't do any social media, but he's out there and uh him and Luke are really close. Luke talks to him all the time too. And uh, you know, so I mean there's there we didn't have to go very many degrees from Luke Hawks to relate to Cuball Carmichael, so and I always like to do that with the guys. So you know, it's he was a great guest and just you know, I don't think I don't think I don't care what superstar you ever got on this show as a guest, I don't think anybody should surpass what Luke just did, in my opinion. No. I mean, they can tell stories, they can tell all this, but the story that Luke told is just, you know, I mean, at 18 years old, pulling up away from everybody you know and going from Louisiana, and you can hear the Cajun and Luke's voice, God bless him, he's got to invite me down for a crawfish boil sometime soon. He invited me to the last one, couldn't make it, but he, uh, you know, Cajun boy thrown in the middle of Oakland, California. Which you talk about being displaced. It's like a kid from upstate New York going to Hawaii. You know, so I can relate to the journey, and just a great guy to have on. I'm, I'm really excited to have him on, and he just he just knocked it out of the park.
1: Yeah, no, he did. He definitely did. Um, you know, one thing I want to do is I want to say
2: it's Gila Floor say... from, from the blue line. He shoots, he scores.
1: You did good on that one, but I think you're going to agree with me on uh, thanking the Polish fans for listening to the show. Uh, Obviously, we love our Canadian, and we love our American fans, but uh, we've got some Poland fans, Polish fans, listening to the show tonight and listened last week, and I thought that was a really cool thing, and I just want to say...
2: I got my buddy, Eric Pawlowski, I'm um, probably messed up his name, but he knows, he knows I know who he is, and I've got another friend of mine over there, I always call her my Polish Princess, and she listens, so I've got a couple of people in Poland that listen to us, and you know, I, I'm excited, we've had visitors from 11 different countries, I mean, you know, it's pretty impressive to have a show that's just second, celebrating its second week on the air, and we've actually had, we have proof of this, because we record every visitor comes to our phones. We've had visitors from 11 different countries. I mean, I think that's pretty – actually 12 because I didn't count Bowling. So 12 different countries already. I mean, you know, can you ask for anything more as a brand-new podcast? But I think the unusual nature of what we do, where we talk as much about life as we do wrestling, is, is something that's unique. And that kind of rolls us into our next
1: segment a little bit, I think. Well, we've done extremely well like you said, we've had so many listeners and people that have just viewed the the website in itself. So I mean, you know, hats off to everyone. Like we're very thankful. We love hearing from our fans. We love hearing from the casual wrestling fan who maybe this is helping get them back into the uh, wrestling world. Maybe they're paying more attention. So
3: if we're helping yeah, know with that, point.
1: then. You
2: know, my buddy James Matthews is listening from Portugal, too, and I'll tell you about him. We had a Harley Race seminar about five years ago we put on, and we only took 40 people, and this guy flew in on his own dime from Portugal, paid for a hotel, and stayed for two days so he could see her, go to a Harley uh, Harley race clinic. So, you know, I mean, good grief. You know, how much how much more of a commitment can you add than a guy that flies in from Portugal to go to a Harley Race right. seminar that you say I have? So, you know, thank him for listening, too, but you know, we, I'm just grateful for the people that listen. I, I think that it shows that uh, you know we're, we're diverse, and we're probably two of the most non-judgmental people in the world. Because if I started judging people, I have to start with myself, and I'd be getting life for about 78 different things. So, Lord knows I'm not huh. gonna do that.
1: <laughs> As you but, guys know. Q has so much knowledge and he has given so much to the business that is professional wrestling. And, you know, I'm so thankful Q and I are on here. I quickly want to share with people that, uh, as of right now, uh, triple T radio turnbuckles, trunks and titles is available on Spotify. It is available in Google music. Uh, I believe it's available on iTunes now. If not, it will be soon. It's already, we're just waiting on the review to be finished, but we're available on Stitcher. We're available for direct listen on our website, triple So we offer you guys plenty of places. If you're not catching the show live and you still want to hear it, of course, as everyone knows, Cuball has got this amazing gift. That he gives to you guys on this show every week about conspiracies. And the problem is, is, Q keeps these guys on the phone because he loves to talk to business. Yeah, you're probably going to miss it. But it's okay because now you got the opportunity to listen to it literally within hours after this show is finished.
2: And Nick, they get, they get to listen to the entirety not just the hour. If we go over an hour and you miss something and you want to pick it up, all you got to do is go to Spotify. Um, We should be on iTunes this week. As he said, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. I mean, you can go into the uh, – in a day or so, you can go here to the website for Triple T Radio, and you can pull it up. Tune in radio
1: as well. Tune in.
2: I forgot tune in radio. Yeah, but you want to make sure you don't miss any of it because the next one we're going to go into is pretty deep.
1: Yeah, well, we're ready, Q. There's 25 seconds left on this one, and then we're well, going to have to I'll, I'll
2: tell you this. It's the moon landing in 1969. I read a recent uh article given by the director of uh a couple famous films, The Shining and Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick, who before his death in 1999, agreed to an interview. It was only to be released 15 years later, because that was what his contract said, his 88-page contracts in the U.S. government, about the faking and falsifying of the moon landing. That's right, folks, whether you believe it or not, I'm going to give you rock-solid proof that the moon landing never, ever happened. It was a complete fake, filmed in the Arizona desert, And I've got tons of proof, including Stanley Kubrick's confession, his story, and NASA even admitting that they can't make a comment on whether it's false or true, which means that it's what? That it's false. It did not happen.
0: But are you
1: saying (laughs) it didn't happen, Nick? But but are you saying it's never happened or it just didn't happen then?
2: It didn't happen then. Now, before, uh, that was Apollo 1, Apollo 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, supposedly all went to the moon. But then right after Apollo 6 went to the moon, why did we completely abandon exploring the moon? The U.S. just completely abandoned exploring the moon. For no apparent reason, they quit. Now, I'll remind you that two years before we were supposedly landed on the moon, we couldn't even launch a spaceship off off the launch pad without it exploding and killing the astronauts, the entire crew. But two years later, we had the technology to get a ship to the moon and get it back? (laughs) No, it didn't happen, folks. It definitely didn't happen. And I'm going to give you factual proof as to why not. Go into Google Images and click fake moon landing, and you can see clearly in the helmet reflection – Of the first man that ever stepped on the moon The reflection of a cameraman Now these are pictures That weren't available Until the Freedom of Information Act Hit them Until they were petitioned By many organizations To disclose these things But also I think Nick One of the most compelling things That proves That the moon landing was falsified Besides Stanley Kubrick's entire interview that took five months to do was completed three days before his death in 1999 that he was hired and signed an 88 page non-disclosure agreement with the US government and basically told that he if he can mention to anybody that it was falsified or fake that he probably would cease to exist on the planet gives pretty good structure to the fact that it was fake The other thing that amazes me, Nick, is you'll notice when you find a picture on Google Images of the flag that they stuck in supposedly the face of the moon, you'll see something very interesting. There's no gravity on the moon, correct? There's no gravity in space.
1: No, that's right.
2: Without gravity, there cannot be wind. Wind does not exist without gravity. It's impossible. There's no perpetuation of wind without gravity. Yet the flag is waving in the breeze on the alleged lunar surface. It is a physical and scientific impossibility for the flag to be waving on the moon. So that flag that's waving is not on the moon. In another photo, you'll notice the earth off to the left-hand side. What they didn't figure is technology would advance so great in astronomy that people would notice that the position of the Earth from the location of the lunar landing on the moon would actually place the Earth about four and a half inches left and low of where it was. Four and a half inches doesn't sound like much, but at the distance to the moon, it's 8,000 miles. So somehow we're supposed to believe that at the approximate time of the lunar landing, the Earth shifted out of orbit 8,000 miles. <laughs> that is scientifically impossible because we would all been dead. So there's that. Also, if you look at the up close of, uh, I think it's Buzz Aldrin, on the surface of the moon, you'll see a rock, a big rock to his right, behind him to the right, and a little one to the left. The rock to the right behind him has a C chiseled in it. Like some kid would cut into a tree where you and I are from and put his initials in a tree. It's just as easy to take a stone chisel and a hammer and chisel your initials into a rock in the middle of the Arizona desert to say I was here. And there's the initial C carved into that rock. Nobody went to the moon, and nobody carved the initial C in Iraq shortly before the lunar module landed on the moon. Believe me. So there's so many things. You take into Kubrick's account of it being fake, of it being perpetuated, of him pulling off the greatest coup in the United States. But what bothered him later in life is he said the government – committed the greatest act of fraud ever against the American people and they have continued to pull fraud after, fraud after fraud after fraud after fraud after fraud on the American government realizing oh my god if we can get a lunar landing on the moon over the people pull the wool over the people's eyes on that what else can we do how can we believe anything our government says we're a wrestling-based show Everybody knows who Jesse Ventura is. Why, when Jesse Ventura, last being the governor of Minnesota, did he move his entire family to Mexico? I'll tell you why he did. Because he doesn't trust the United States government. He doesn't trust what they say, what they say they're going to do, what they say they've done, what they say they've accomplished. If a former governor of one of the greatest states in the country moves to Mexico for the protection of himself and his family because he knows things that he shouldn't know, and he doesn't trust the U.S. government. That should also tell us a lot about the perpetuation of frauds beyond landing on the moon. How great are these frauds? How tremendous are these? When JFK was assassinated, clearly anybody who hunts is in law enforcement, who has ever shot guns as a hobby knows that there are two distinct, different-sounding gunshots going off from different directions as Kennedy is assassinated. We'll go into that a little bit later in a future show. How can, we, how can we believe anything the government says? You know, why was Martin Luther King assassinated? Do you think it was just a random guy who didn't like black folk? I don't think so. I think Martin Luther King was about to do something that nobody has ever done since or ever done before. He was about to unite the Americans as one. He was about to say that black and white don't matter. What matters is we're Americans and we all bleed red. And I think that his assassination was also a government cover-up. But we'll go into that in a later show. What we're talking about right now is the facts, ladies and gentlemen. The fact is that we never landed on the moon. It was a movie set. There are too much, there's too much physical evidence. You know, being in law, I haven't been in law enforcement for the last couple of years. I can tell you what people like to hear at a trial. Is there physical or forensic evidence? That's what's going to make up my mind, not circumstantial. The physical and forensic evidence prove that we never landed on the moon. Only circumstantial evidence Says that we did I'm sorry I'm going to believe the physical And the forensic Evidence Nick let me ask you a question If you weren't sitting down you are now aren't you
1: Oh yes Yeah um, I actually um, um, Guess what
2: You just said what 97,000 Americans listening to this show Just said Um Uh
1: well, I just you're looked talking. at the stuff brought up, and you know, it, it, it's wow, it's it's fact. Yeah, It's not just yeah, you can look it up. hearsay. Everything it's, I, talk, a fact.
2: I, I talk about, you're welcome to look up, because it's true.
1: You bring up a good point. Well, uh, you know,
2: it it, it there, there are several reports of insiders from NASA who retired and left, and you know, uh, years later, more towards the time that they would be passing on, I've let the cat out of the bag about the lunar landing. You know, people, listen, you know as well as I do, if you cross the federal government, look at the history of the Clintons. I mean, the, the Clintons and the Arkansas Mafia, 91 people who crossed their paths, who disagreed to them, who bucked them, ended up dead, including Vince Foster, who was found in a cemetery in Hellington, Virginia shot in the head during the the heat of the Whitewater conspiracy. Ironically, Vince was shot in the head, and the gun was in his right hand. What the people who did that forget to remember is Vince Foster was left-handed. So I can go into that one, too. Vince Foster did not shoot himself. He was murdered, and like everybody else, Oh, put the gun in his right hand. He's probably right-handed. Most people are. Wrong. Well, he was left-handed. Nobody shoots themselves in the head with their opposite hand. It just doesn't happen. You Use what we call your dominant hand, your gun hand, is what shoots you in the head. Ninety-eight percent of all suicides used with a gun It's in the right hand. The other two percent, are shot by somebody else, and they pass it off. It's suicide. So we know how it works. There's, there's just a history... A tremendous amount of government conspiracy. We're just starting to delve into these and hopefully the the shows are archived, so if I suddenly disappear without warning, we know what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll find you, buddy. I'm coming after them. Like <laughs> Yeah, you know, they gotta come all after all our fans too.
2: <laughs> you gotta admit though, uh, that's pretty compelling evidence, am I right?
1: Uh, yeah, I just looked at it all. It's very good evidence.
2: See yeah, that flag waving?
1: Yeah, I saw it waving. <laughs> Literally. Yeah.
2: Yeah, with no gravity flags don't wave. <laughs> did you see the rock the sea carved in it?
1: Yes, I did. And yeah, I somebody, also just saw the
2: to be, somebody just happened to get there a thousand years early and decide oh, it was me by the way. In my previous life, <laughs> I flew there with my wings and I carved a sea in there for cue ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness You're Oh crazy. man it just gets Crazier Every single week These conspiracies are just There's so Many of them It's just incredible yeah. The government has been yanking the wall Over not just Americans But our brother and our Canadians Eyes For the last 70 years it's insane. And you know what the government does? They feed the media, the media writes it. Guess what people believe? If I read it, it's got to be true. I've got another aspect for you to think about. If I read it in mainstream media and it's fed to mainstream media by government, don't believe it because it's not true. Because history shows that they don't tell the truth and that they commit fraud against the American people every single day.
1: Are we talking about Dave Meltzer now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna
2: i I'm not gonna mention that name and give him a, any kind of extra business. So no, I don't even know you Please you're talking don't. About Please yeah, don't Yeah, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna No. He doesn't have Nazis. What do you think about what do you think about the conspiracy of uh, Eric Bishop getting hired and fired in the same ninety day period of time after he moved his entire clan down there?
1: Well, I'm gonna be honest with you, I told you it earlier. It it it's bothering me. He's not any relative of mine, but it bothers me to think that he would move and I mean he moved from Cody, Wyoming, everything and everything, only to be let go ninety days later. I just I'm sorry, but and I love Let me ask you let me ask
2: you a question. Let me ask you a, a question. Is ninety days a chance for anybody in any type of business to prove themselves?
1: No right? No, no, not in a multi, you know, not in a billion-dollar well, company, especially. If I,
2: listen, listen if, if I think over a failing football team as a head coach, I say, listen, to the owner, I need a three- to five-year plan. If I think over a failing business and i got to turn it around, I need a three- three to five-year plan. It's not going to turn around overnight. No. And for somebody to think I can bring a guy in here and he's going to turn around this business overnight, it's not going to happen. So by bringing him in in three months, at three months, I find some stupid reason to let him go, and all I've done is disrupt his life, cost him money to move, and now he's going to move back or he's going to be stuck there or whatever. But guess what? I've only done it for one reason, and it's called spite. Yeah. And there's no other way to describe it. It was just spiteful, revengeful, stupid, ignorant, hurtful. You know, it's a lot of words. A lot, a lot of definitions for it, but let's face it, one simple thing, it just wasn't right.
1: No, it, it's bugging me. I, got, I agree. I got
2: no, I got no love for Bischoff. Bischoff personally destroyed WCW by giving all his buddies multi-million dollar contracts, and that's fine. He was looking out for the boys when nobody else would, and I get it. But the point being is, you don't mess with a man and his family only three months later to mess with him again in an even bigger way and leave him unemployed. You know, it just that's just not right. It's just not right.
1: Nope, I agree, hundred percent. I am with you.
2: All right, man. Well, listen, I'm about ready to get off of this place here. How about you?
1: Oh, brother, I'm ready. I I gotta get myself some shadow. All
2: right, brother, man.
1: Listen, you, what do you say we come rest. back here?
2: Next week, we got our guest, Matt Griffin. He's a guy I trained that I took on the road for a solid year. I told him to pick me up. On Saturday, we were going to a show. He was going to drive me for a year. I was going to train him a little, little at a time in the rings, and we got to the shows early. He shows up the first day in a snowstorm in a brand-new car. I said, what are you doing in a new car? He says, well, if you're gonna drive, I figure i got to drive the champ around for a year. I better have a nice ride. So he bought a brand-new car and <laughs> around for a year. So Yeah, he's going to be on next week. He's also the promoter of Action Wrestling. Out of Atlanta, Georgia, doing a great job, drawing big houses, putting a lot of people to work. He gets it, you. no wonder, because I trained him. But, I mean, he gets it. So, look forward to talking to him next week.
1: Well, I look forward to talking to him and to you, Q. It's been a great, great show tonight. So, if it's okay with you, from uh, the host of the show, Q Ball Carmichael and myself, I want to say thank you to those who listened. Thank you, worldwide fans, and no oh, down downloads.
2: Nick, 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 brother. One more plug for our buddy at redlinegoods.com. Mike's got the best handmade Italian leather products for your car. He's got some cool accents for the gas pedals, the steering wheel, the shifter boot. It's one of a kind. You go to redlinegoods.com, you mentioned code QBALL, get yourself a 15% discount. And uh, go and enjoy. Get some cool stuff for your ride. And also, uh, that's it.
1: Have a great night, Nick. Hey. I'm with you, my man. I can't wait to see you next week.
2: All right, brother. Sounds good. See you next week.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>